welcome and uh, today we'll be discussing the issue of uh, swadeshi muslims this is a recent uh, coinage by mr rajiv malhotra and um, he is uh, putting this as one aspect of his grand uh, narrative of india the indic grand narrative and uh, the question was basically where do muslims fit into this picture of indic grand narrative and that's when he came up with the term and in his next book as he has told in his uh, uh, videos and the follow up q and a video he told that this is where muslims will fit into the indic grand narrative so that's the term he coined swadeshi muslims so after he termed this and after he started talking about this issue uh, several people had several comments and uh, some people were skeptical of this and some people weren't clear some people thought that this is actually antithetical to what he has been talking so far and uh, so there there are varying voices and dissenting voices and supporting voices also of this idea of swadeshi muslims so today i am here joined by a guest he also deals uh, with similar issues and he also talks about similar issues in various forums so he wanted to uh, and we wanted to discuss with each other about this specific issue and what our opinions are and what we think is the way forward in this in the grand narrative and uh, the issues relating to this so i'll just you can just yeah start with your basic introduction or whatever or you can just start with the issue explaining what we are and where we are at yeah okay so i think i'll start with the issue so the indian grand narrative uh, that rajiv malhotra is talking about ambitious project and uh, i think a person like rajiv malhotra is totally capable and uh, you know he is he has the adhikara to do that i think so because his time energy and money into this for a long period of time about you know like 20 to 25 years so he is the right person to uh, you know take this problem up when he is dealing with this indian grand narrative uh, he'll be talking about history he'll be talking about the contributions of india uh, you know vis-a-vis -vis science he's also going to be talking about mind sciences which is a very huge aspect which is a very unique aspect that india has yeah and so on issues that uh, come up in the indian grand narrative is how do we deal with muslims last 1000 years muslims in various situations in different ways so right now also uh, muslims in our country and uh, policies that the government has been you know taking uh, since independence you know happening you tackle the problem of you know uh, having muslims into the indian putting muslims into the indian grand narrative what is their uh, place in the indian grand narrative so rajiv malhotra he discusses uh, very clearly that uh, you know uh, i have to involve muslims i cannot do this project without muslims about how he wants to have truth and reconciliation right yes yes he first wants them to acknowledge the barbarity and uh, the uh, destruction of uh, indian civilization that to the islamic invasions think that the current generation of muslims are necessarily responsible for that obviously but he wants to basically acknowledge The, the true history of india he uh, bias he wants them to clearly acknowledge the barbarianism that has happened in india 
and also in the rest of the world doesn't want the muslims to feel guilty about this because he thinks that uh, responsible the current generation of muslims are not responsible for that but he wants them to identify the mindset which is responsible for this i think that's the uh, you know that's the important thing i think they have to recognize the violent ideological mindset uh, which is clearly present in our society also we cannot ignore it of a mindset uh, especially uh, exists in the the muslims unfortunately have uh, have these self imposed ghettoization where communities and basically they given area of land the human development index over there is really small like you don't have literacy you don't have good healthcare and all of these things only education that the children of these ghettos get is of course through the mullah he basically imparts to them the right religious conduct so what are the motives of the mullah them you know who is funding these mullahs are they all are they all on the same page states in india you see similarity and homogeneity propping up yeah you see the arabization very clearly that direction is definitely there every state in india has this uh, particular journey in this particular direction of arabization you clearly see that yes. how would you like to address this like uh, you know you clearly see that there is one kind of homogenization they are all uh, taught to think in a certain way therefore the funding is coming from a source which is also in homogeneity so what kind of sources can promote homogeneity we we know that you know arabia and places like this saudi arabia and uh, other islamic countries they want to have a homogeneous society and they want to have a homogeneous way of thinking they control the interpretation of islam always it's all historically been the case the illiteracy and uh, unemployment and stuff like that the children who go to madrasas or you know to the mosque uh which is a good discipline but then you know they are taught all these ideologies because uh, basically they are uh, paid to do so the mullahs are paid to do so and the children are going to these uh, mosques are you know the mullah to be a father figure because again uh due to the due to the large number of children that these people have and the limited amount of money that they have they cannot really provide love and you know support to all their children equally they are more concerned about survival therefore the affection and love and all these things which we find in class families you don't really find them in the lower middle class who are struggling to survive and so the fatherly nature of the the father's love is being given by the mullah so the mullah becomes a very uh, prominent figure prominent figure in their life uh at a very personal level they feel that the mullah is a very prominent person and he's obviously charismatic because you know he can recite verses from the quran he can basically according to them quran is the highest thing able to recite verses directly from that that means something and then he can also recite a few urdu prayers or you know urdu poems or whatever in arabic also yeah so but nobody understands them that's a different issue but uh 
you see that that's the whole thing like we have a structure here with the rooted structure in the society somebody has to address it so okay uh, Some, nobody was addressing it exactly exactly uh, so you have raised few points so even before we get into this i mean as we get along the, uh, these points uh, point by point uh, we'll just back up a bit and also explain by certain terminologies we use and certain assumptions that we already making so i've written down the points so we'll go point by point so first of all and and actually uh, debunk some of the propaganda surrounding some of these points like how for example uh, some few uh, people who are propagandists and who are f uh, hate mongers in the society and uh, who are like common uh, journalist kind of thing some people are there who are actually benefiting by uh, misrepresenting the position of for example someone like rajiv malhotra or not purposely mainstreaming those views because uh, it will prove that their views are shallow and they can't get along with fear mongering anymore so we'll acknowledge those points also what are the common misconceptions of our positions which are being misrepresented in the mainstream uh, could be uh, journalists could be media houses could be even mainstream politicians uh, political parties themselves and even stand up comedians so we'll cover all these topics as we go along in each of these points so first of all uh, yeah as even rajiv ji has mentioned what about uh, acknowledgement of the history that has happened for the last 1000 years the the mass scale destruction uh, violence conversion that we have seen by the islamic uh, regimes that have uh, islamic empires that have uh, ruled india so so here i mean we know the history for a fact and we know that ma mass scale destructions of temples have happened and uh, widespread murders rape and pillage of uh, wealth and resources have happened but the, uh, this uh, all we'll be talking all these points in relation to present day muslims and the swadeshi muslims that we're talking so for example uh, and uh, yeah you are you are telling something so uh, nodding that's all yeah, yeah yeah perfect so so we'll start with the first point the acknowledgement of history so i have a question Ma many times we, this, uh, we see this and and, and i don't know uh, I, I really don't know why this happens in the mainstream and many of these so called leftists and liberals when we talk about acknowledging the the cruelty that has prevailed in the last thousand years in, in the name of islam or by islamic empires or by islamic kings or whichever the party responsible is whenever we talk about acknowledging this fact of history why do they think or why do they conflate that with attacking current day present day muslims in india or attacking or somehow uh, th because we attack some of the past islamic leaders and islamic kings that somehow affects the current day muslims as if these people are descendants of them or as pe or as if these people carry the same ideology forward as those uh, islamic emperors so why do you think just because if we acknowledge the barbarity of aurangzeb for example or or ghazni for example if we uh, if we acknowledge the barbarity of these people unless you believe that current day muslims in india are the direct uh, progeny uh, of uh, these people or the direct descendants of these people there is no way for there, there to be an issue in the first hand because they are people who came to plunder and they are warring kings and they are warring kingdoms so that shouldn't have a problem do why do you think this is this becomes a problem while especially dealing with uh, islamic history in india that uh it has to do with the ideology i think the ideology that the invaders had ideology is existing even today 
makes sense for the people who are defending themselves to actually defend themselves because we are not actually accusing the current generation of people for what their ancestors have done so it must be so that the ideology has be, uh, remained invariant has not changed so much okay i mean is this fundamental yeah is this the reason also i mean okay i i understand some muslims who are radicalized and some muslims who hold these positions and some uh, leaders in islamic communities also and there many we have terrorists every year uh, they are getting caught uh, who are joining isis from kerala and everywhere even from up some people were there telangana some people were there so we know okay if these are the people holding the same views as the invaders those are the people yeah obviously they would try to defend the same ideology and defend that heritage whatever heritage they claim to be a part of but what is the reason for any mainstream like commentators or mainstream journalists for example who are not even muslim to keep again defending the same islamic history somehow claiming that we are bigoted if we talk against the past which is completely almost unrelated to present day muslims life because they are living in the same current day independent india and most of them are none of them are the descendants of these kings anyway they were either forcefully converted some of them some of them have like converted took up on the faith by their own personal wish but none of these people are actual different de- descendants of those kings so why do you think this happens in the mainstream also so much we see from movies to mainstream popular commentators to journalists to politicians uh, that has to do with the leftist narrative of our history basically we know that the academy is controlled basically by the left it means yes. controlled by the left yes they don't want the fundamental assumptions of the fundamental like this nature like everybody has that tendency yeah uh, you want to talk about india india's history in five points like five major things what have happened so in in five major things that you talk about india's history you definitely include the islamic era invasions yeah interpretation of these invasions has been so that i've actually debated with a, a person who's a muslim who's an atheist so he he actually told me uh i didn't know about this before mainstream narrative that the leftists are trying to propagate Basically, it was never a nation. That is one thing. Second thing is that had a brutal caste system where they were subjugating the uh, lowest caste. The the people belonging to this uh, you know religion of Islam who had jihad as their uh, primary goal were doing us a favor by actually removing the caste barrier because if you convert into you know if you become a Muslim. Yeah. you know they they don't have mention of you know division of labor like we did so they say if you become a muslim is basically like universal brotherhood uh, the idea of umma and all these things exactly so but even the core the core assumption being uh, contested here is that is islamic invasion a good thing or a bad thing that happened to india i think a majority of the mainstream people that you're talking about would say it's a good thing taught in the universities like jnu hcu and all these things all these places yeah yeah i mean yeah um, as you telling 
problem is of course uh, can you hear me yeah um, yeah so another problem is of course equation of islamic invaders with other indian kings meaning they say that the indians were always fighting amongst each other why dif- differentiate between an indian king and islamic they are both kings they are both trying to uh, you know gain control of a certain area or a certain amount of resources why should you differentiate between the two of course this is of course ignoring the whole ideological aspect completely i mean not even ideological also it's ignoring the, just the empirical stuff also which they have done i mean indian kings of course like history is full of kings fighting each other kingdoms overtaking each other and empires forming and empires falling but none of the indian kings have ever like done destruction of uh, these big big libraries or or uh, doing this sort of destruction of temples or forced conversions that's like a rare thing in india an entire indian history you can observe i mean of course again all of those fall all of those are the results of the kind of ideology they had that okay you can't actually force your religion on other people or you can't kill other people just because they don't accept your religion or you can't go and f- uh, burn knowledge and so much uh, so much of wisdom that has been collected over the millennia that's the reason and the islamic uh, invaders largely had the same idea of conquest and uh, uh, the same thing looking at hindus as second class citizens and i mean we also had this uh, so a lot of uh, manuscripts and all from the uh, courts of aurangzeb and all these people right they told uh, hindu is deserving of being spit on his face and all these things how how many uh, piles of bodies they have they used to kill and uh, throw in the in the courtyard every weekend so i mean we know how the how these acts are committed and what's the ideology that's behind them basically like uh, rajiv ji used to say once you start arguing for the sake of protecting the ego only to protect your ego like that when you know leftists are confronted with new facts deny the facts yeah they just uh, they, they don't even check the references due diligence <clears throat> they just accuse you of being a bigot being intolerant islamophobic homophobic so th- this is the problem like uh, an emotional response to a logical question you know that itself yeah, I mean, is uh, a sign of defeat yeah i mean we we talked about what's the muslims role in this of course the leftists mainly they have the leverage of for example not engaging as rajiv ji has told several times <coughs> in the past 20 years i think since his beginning of this this path in his life he has been talking they have the leverage could, could be from indian media or indian intellectuals to to harvard and boston and everywhere where they do this south asian studies they have this leverage of not having enough pressure on them to respond to the criticisms that th- that are thrown at them they can simply d- discard and still get away by calling you a nationalist ultra nationalist or hindutvadi or whatever uh, jargon they can throw at you whatever buzzwords they can call intolerant whatever they can call and they can just escape i mean it's now it's slowly changing but even large uh, swaths of the academy are still under these people's control that's the reason i think I mean that also academy is nothing but largely the construction of the dynastic politics right? I mean the, an extension of the dynastic politics in India so they had to basically tow the party lines and uh, as dynastic dynastic parties were interested in 
appeasement religious based appeasement these guys obviously the intellectuals who come out of that lineage will obviously do the same thing uh, in their intellectual capacities hence they also have to defend the islam i think that's one of the main reasons also because these are funded i mean these are the old school kind of guys these are from the past century who belong to that uh, kind of academy academia and all now social media has been uh, very influential <coughs> in exposing a lot of these people for what they actually are so that that's the reason i think one of the main reasons is the appeasement politics which turns into appeasement uh, literature and atrocity literature against hindus in the academy so the categories that they study the lenses that they use all of these are like abrahamic religions exactly right exactly. they are very they are very uh, ancient on abrahamic religions the analysis of abrahamic religions actually look at india as a polytheistic you know hinduism as a polytheistic religion right uh, yeah you can call it think, why do you think they yeah. even more than polytheistic it's pluralistic why do you think they are looking at it that way i mean we have our own opinions about it we don't even want to categorize it yeah exactly i mean it won't we don't we don't want to yeah polytheism some people say it's pantheistic exactly Atheistic. So how how yeah, so the, the thing is atheistic also yeah. So why uh, when we try to categorize Hinduism uh, using certain categories and lenses which are not originated uh, in India which which don't have the cultural uh, uh, contribution. Just mm. don't have any contribution from India, right? Exactly. Very little. I mean of course you know this postmodernism yeah. and all these things yeah they are actually twisted versions of indic lenses the old versions the whatever they used to use right mm. all of them the, and you cannot blame the uh, students because the, the students are very impressed by jargon exactly they are impressed by the cloud they are impressed by the numbers right so all of these things that happen in a university even though people say that universities are you know very free they have to be open but it's open only for one side exactly i mean there's also the social it's not open for the other side if you don't if you don't parrot the narrative that they are parroting you are largely from academic circles you are not uh, you don't form a part of those academic circles in students obviously you know how the youth and the student and everything all these uh, play a role in shaping one's mind and people who are who actually are capable of critical thinking in the beginning have to eventually give up some of their uh, true criticisms of this current ideology or current culture or current think way of thinking of certain issues and they have to just fall into fall fall into the line and just stand behind them so that's what yeah it is mostly and uh, e- even the even the academic yeah as you told as i told i mean these are the these people are the product this academy is entirely product of the uh the, the the dynastic aspect that was that was present for so long and as rajiv ji says these are the modern day sepoys as soon as the british have handed over the uh, keys to the the congress and the dynasty in the intellectual uh, the intellectual uh, lineage also has basically they picked up from where they left they picked up from the same european schools of thought and american schools of thought and the western lens of looking at things so it's just the hands have changed it's just the same mind and that's the same view of thinking which still comes out from this from these guys in the 
old school academy in india uh, like you know let us say a guy is doing a post graduate course which is 2 years and he goes through all the syllabus that are used to study india are not questioned right so they cannot be questioned is uh, india through those lenses selective usage of facts yeah you know misinterpretation mistranslation coupled together with uh, a rigid lens which you cannot question to result obviously in a brainwashing right exactly yeah indoctrination you feel that you're doing the right thing yeah you know you you feel that you're learning the right stuff because you know obviously it makes sense from that perspective it makes sense for the uh, for example it makes sense for a terrorist see people being killed is it not so yes like they have I mean, there, are, there are several confessions of terrorists who actually tell that we are doing a, we are doing a good thing by killing all these infidels because if we don't i mean for we will get jannat and we are also saving them from this miserable life there anyway infidels they won't get to uh the they won't get they won't get jannat allah will anyway judge them at the end of their life but instead we have already a divine sanction on our side we'll kill all these people and prevent them for the, from their misery so i mean this is the kind of thinking obviously it makes sense once you're already indoctrinated into thinking that it's it's the right thing to do so even most of this thinking works in the same way exactly so when the academy brainwashes you for 18 years yeah it gives you on top of that university positions it gives you all these you know uh, lollipops gives you all these things yeah. all the perks yeah exactly it makes you student leader it makes you uh, leverage it gives you leverage into politics it gives you support from the media and and that these is people are considered success yeah, and this yeah, so, and these people are almost like not at all accountable to anything from these people who are uh, holding chairman positions uh, many chair positions to many directorial positions and academic positions most of these people are not I mean that's the state of the Indian education in the government set government side, the public education. So these people are not even accountable to what facts they are printing, to what texts they are spreading, and just to what they have made out of their entire generation of students. So that's all. That also plays a part in this. Of course, when uh, individuals, this idea who don't question the categories which are being used to study India. or who don't question the uh, you know selective presentation of facts what happens is they care about their own care about their own position and therefore continues because nobody knows or sees the like rajiv ji actually had to do his research for about you know two decades or something and then he had to come up with all these books yeah now he has a big picture right he shows you the exposes the nexus and he exposes the uh, faulty scholarship it's basically subpar scholarship right <laughs> yeah like like he explains it's a mob mentality and they are not accountable to anybody like you said they are not accountable to the government the government actually gives padma shri awards to people like sheldon polak yeah so their narrative is always respected have these uh, 
again memorandum of understanding with universities they have all these uh, people they send their people to the western academy give them lollipops then send send them back here right mm-hmm. and after they come back here they are in a very privileged position uh the idea that the west is not doing us a favor i don't think most of these people know that they just want to get a visa and then go there in some nice time there that's all they don't really care about the country or the narrative they don't actually think that this is an issue right i mean as you told the terrorists not thinking that killing Absolutely. killing others is an issue first of all i mean they are also a product of the same thing not i mean although like some of these people have truly a malicious intent so most of these guys are just dragged into this most of these as you told the university students who at one point studied and were like from indoctrination to just social acceptance to lack of other other like other evidence of looking at diff- things differently so on, due to the lack of all these things they are also pushed to, even the majority of these people they that's now a part of their identity how they think and uh, uh, it, it uh. was formed due to many misinfo- many sorts of misinformation and uh, uh, propaganda since the beginning so even most of these people are themselves victims along with now perpetrating the same old myths and same old type same old supper scholarship as you called it so from there so whole sepoyhood can be actually traced back to you know how uh, when christianity conquered europe yeah and now europe has a christian identity exactly so now they defend christianity exactly people they they have not realized it for thousands of years the same thing with these people they don't even realize that they are sepoys they think that they are swadeshi already exactly i mean that's the it doesn't mean you're swadeshi and that's the reason right i mean i i don't know if that's the only reason could be politics also but recently for the last couple of years after uh, bjp has started uh, like pointing out more and more religious appeasement of congress for example most of these political leaders have started writing no we are the real hindus hindutva hindutva is not real hinduism we are the real hindus we are the real hinduism so i mean some of these people actually believe that i am sure because i have met some of these people who think that they have this tolerant peaceful kind of hinduism and somehow the people who are advocating for hindutva that is basic common sense it's not even anything out of the blue it's just common sense hindutva and they call these people uh no you are the guys who are extremes we follow real hinduism uh, without actually knowing because oh. they are a part of the i i couldn't get you can you please say that again i couldn't get you for about 5 seconds okay okay i mean uh, uh, after uh, after many of these uh, commentators and many of these political leaders have started pointing out to uh, these opponent political parties and many people in the media that you are hindu phobic that you are ah. appeasing muslims and all then they started uh, retaliating and writing books and telling that no we are real hindus we follow real hinduism you guys are hindutva this is not even hinduism this is entirely a polit- violent ideology and all even the left doesn't uh, even the left uh, right now you know people from the left are actually appropriating this kind of they are not attacking yeah exactly so they are telling no this is a and the rss is not equal to attacking hinduism yeah true but uh, my question is why are they attacking the rss <laughs> see why should they attack the rss it's it's, it's pro- i mean largely whatever it is i mean there are some valid criticisms for example like recently some of the central minister talking about darwinism i mean there are some people who make these statements but overall as an organization they are not spreading i mean that's their main contention anyway these all everyone makes stupid statements everyone makes ignorant ones but their main issue since for decades now has been 
that this is a violent organization and these people spread hate and all but we know what kind of work they do so i mean that's the core ah. thing why do they do that yeah i mean they they are funded by a certain section of the political uh, elite so they have to basically spread their own word and spread their own message because rss has a large the largest ground uh, grassroots network in india um, and they have been influential in every almost any corner of the country to get any of these goals achieved to get any of this um, work done on ground so i mean they have their reasons to attack rss which are not all genuine which are not all completely intellectual or completely uh, like uh, societal issue or a cultural issue it is mostly political why the, the reason why many of these media houses and journalists criticize them so another thing is but you see equal ground are not fighting on equal ground yeah. uh, one ideology is very privileged they have all of the uh, connections to foreign you know universities Academ- academically they are considered legitimate in india and abroad and uh, they control a large section of the media as abroad they have funding and they also have government privileges arts and stuff so to basically fight with their own money on the basis of truth they have to fight what has been doing they have to become non ignorable to even just get recognized exactly the ground is not level playing you see the the problem is if you say that there are no right wing intellectuals in india that's only because into your gates to your conferences you have not allowed them to present their papers exactly about you know freedom of speech you 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 know the oxford episode right yeah yeah how they preach freedom of speech to everybody yeah. but what happened they could not even jim malotra speech right he he wanted to debate them respectfully right exactly. he didn't want to like use one liners like these people yeah that's the uh you know again they they are the people who compare about imperialism right they compare about imperialism so what are they then they are actually an empire exactly i mean fascism is literally uh, like banning your speech free speech you're not letting free speech happen and they accuse of accuse everyone else of being intolerant to free speech but this is an uh, obvious violation of free speech really so yeah i mean uh, so next we'll go on to the point this is it fall everything is interrelated but we'll again pick one more point okay we talked about acknowledgement and how the entire uh, the media plays a propagandist role basically in in not letting the actual history get out and the second yeah. and one more interesting issue i thought and it's a huge issue i thought was why what about violence within islam and some of the islamic uh, doctrine some of the islamic scriptural references so wh- how does this violence that is intrinsically present a, a part of islam for so long for 1400 years now and part of the scripture and the precedent itself of islam how does this uh, fit into the notion of swadeshi muslims or what do these swadeshi muslims have to say about the violence within islam so this is one of the interesting issue you raised right really 
you are not you are not audible just look you hear me now yeah 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 uh, so violent versus but then it was about uh, i was talking about hatred okay always have to be physical violence physical, uh, hatred also yeah definitely definitely so, of all sorts yeah hatred is being promoted in in the quran quranic verses you know violent verses there are obviously violent verses in quran so talk about violent verses in quran why are they ignoring the hateful verses but the pressure that the uh, these uh, hateful verses create in the society okay uh, because you see let's okay you know let's just deal with one by one okay hateful verses so i mean couldn't one given give a counter that okay many of these abrahamic uh books i mean Juda- judaism the uh, old testament is filled with this the of course the new testament and the uh, the christian bible is also filled with similar stuff nothing less nothing short of that and of course islam is just an extension of that if someone can make this argument that's the reason this is a common uh, kind of critique for all all of the abrahamic faith all of these exclusionist kind of uh, faiths so i mean something i would say that is particular to islam in this argument that hateful is there that is as as far as reformation goes christianity for example is largely reformed in the west and by the time christianity has spread to india like from the 16th 15th centuries mostly when the uh, along with the colonialists when the missionaries started coming in by the time the already the protestant revolution happened in europe and whatever catholicism has been spreading the protestant and all other denominations have been spreading and that has also melt, ma- molded with the indian kind of thing to large extent and the, i mean the crusades were already almost done so th- in that way soci- socially and culturally christians ha- just could like ignore these verses and just could like get out, get out of this stuff but muslims is not just because of these these hateful preachings in the quran because there's already there also there in the other abrahamic faiths but this coupled with the fact that there is no reformation in islam and there is i mean of course the exclusionary claims of islam are even more predominant than of christianity because it claims to be the final revealed truth revealed scripture and no more can be after that so that itself is sort of a like a cat- catalyst to commit violence in the name of that if someone tries to do anything with that so that's the reason the mullahs come into picture while we are talking about the hateful stuff i mean propagation of it who are the leaders within the islamic communities who are these people who have the control over the intellectual propagation like people like zakir naik for example he has influenced lakhs of people in india in bangladesh and many south eastern countries south asian countries and we know what those people have told in bangladesh to those people who uh, bombed <coughs> a place or a, they killed many people last couple of one year ago two years ago so they told basically we are influenced by zakir naik so who are these people who are actually even more amplifying these quranic uh, references to hatred so they are also bigger issue but yeah still quran also you can still talk about that how it has a lot of these problems with it so the original question was uh, how do the modern day muslims reconcile with the uh, verses in the quran and uh, yeah, yeah, violent yeah. verses in the quran yeah, so yeah. the answer to that question is that you know don't intellectual gymnastics to find a way through you know find a way to actually get rid of exclusivity I think that it's possible because uh, of course i am a very ignorant okay. person about this but i have read the quran and no, no. i i can't come up with an interpretation with uh, you know 
I'm just you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I, I get it. Chapters. If you read the Quran, obviously it's it's very clear. Every second, every other page or every page has some or the other kind of this sort of a preaching, this sort of a underlying uh, feeling towards the kafirs or towards other religion, other religious folks, or uh, yeah, I mean that has that. But I think you ask, can this actually? Can can like Muslims today, for example, like sort of do a reformation kind of thing, or for example, forget all these verses, or do it do kind of mental gymnastic and reinterpret it in some way and become peaceful? That that's if can can Muslims become is the second question. First question: Are there any Muslims like this? I mean, there are several Muslims uh, in India, and they belong to separate different sects. I mean, not even if they even if they belong to even the most radical ones, there are some people in India already and in many parts of the world. who the reason is all of these people don't read the quran in the first place if you read the quran maybe they'll come to some sort of a conclusion like this either they have to go become an atheist or take up some other religion which is less violent in their eyes or just come to the conclusion that islam is itself violent maybe i can't be a muslim anymore so whatever actual if they be intellectually honest that could be and that has been occurring with many people like there are many 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 forums right now of ex muslims who and uh, ex muslims who are who have turned atheist and people who, have, who are telling their stories from pakistan up to saudi arabia how people have have surprised to see to see that people uh, who have been indoctrinated by hafiz said himself when they were youngsters teenagers they were actually in the camps in the in the terrorist camps you know the mujahideen camps after they have actually gone to other countries to pursue higher education and they have completely reformed yes now they are yes. speaking out against islam so yes. that's a huge turn you know i i don't think it's not possible but is it possible to still be a muslim and then how i mean that's a difficult question I mean, can, you know that's a yeah yeah it's, it's a pertinent question it's a very important question but i don't think that's how it it follows because as i told one reason is they don't read the quran so hence they can listen to a moderate voice listen to a reformist voice like many imams are there right now like imam tawhidi is a popular example yeah. right now the imam of yeah, yeah. if if you want to look look at uh, look them up anyone so i mean so they, they as you told i mean they become radicalized because of the not because not just because they read the quran they also have this influencing uh, an imam or a mullah or some local leaders or whoever it is they become radicals or they get the saudi funded uh, ask uh, uh, this literature this extremist literature kind of thing so that's 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 what pushes them not just reading quran so i don't think these people they they can become liberal they can become moderate and they can become even accepting and tolerant and mutually accept other faiths and other religions religious people also no without ever getting into the quran or the details of the violent injunctions they can just follow a moderate uh, like a reformed imam or a reformed voice within the islamic community and this is the this is the way several people in the west i mean people who from islamic countries or people who are born in the west who are muslims have become moderates not because they have read the quran even most of them won't won't read the quran not many people actually read the religious scriptures they became because of these influencing figures in their life who taught them peace or who taught them uh some mutual acceptance and who taught them tolerance towards other faiths and other forms of worship or whichever it is aspect so the 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 turning of atheistic part is not necessarily part of swadeshi muslims because i mean if of course that's an intellectual enterprise for them if you want to read your scripture and finally come up to a, come to a conclusion on 
supernatural questions to existential questions to questions related to god and universe all that is an intellectual exercise and maybe muslims will become atheists if they actually go into and many many religious folks may become atheists if they actually read their scriptures so that doesn't necessarily mean that muslims can't be uh, liberal because even though they don't become that or read the read the quran ever they still have a very good chance of becoming these moderates as we have hundreds of examples in the west because of the influencing figures that we can have hence rajiv malhotra's entire uh, perpetrated uh, this thing entire assumption under go, before going into swadeshi muslims is that we will have muslim leadership as he told his, in his speech we lack muslim leadership or we lack proper uh, liberal and moderate and accepting muslim leaders right now that's the reason he's finding those people from within the community so if we can uh, do that i don't think the the text would make any difference to these people because till even today they don't most most of these most of most muslims don't know what's completely in the quran or even if something is literally in front of your eyes they can again claim uh, interpretations they can claim contextual application of these verses and they can still get away that's how most people don't kill each other right most muslims don't kill because they don't actually get into this so there is there is large hope as you told this is not impossible this is possible but yeah it's it's largely dependent on muslim because if an atheist goes and tells or you or me or someone from rss goes or tells not many muslims might be able might be open to that but from within the islamic community if we can get moderate voices we are not asking for much actually it's just a given if you want to live in a uh, society that has multiple religions and multiple cultures and multiple faiths if you want to live in that it's a given that you should be tolerant and peaceful and accepting of other people of other faiths so this is a given but that to achieve that yeah we have to get out of the radicalization business we have to the ngos and the funding kind of thing is being taken care of now the government has become more vigilant in the past few years more and more ngos are being shut for all the violations and funding improper funding uh, acceptance from foreign uh, parties Wait, so you see yeah. the thing is how much ever you do with the funding thing you know try to come uh, turn around that right like imam tawhidi was mentioning how you know people just get royalties without even writing books and uh, that's how they get their funding at least in uk that's how they try to go around the funding problem yeah the funding is not the actual problem i mean no it's not, of it's course not it's a problem. huge problem i mean that that gives them the amount of freedom to roam around and conduct and spread ah, basically yeah. the, from getting media attention to getting uh, like rally support and like just less less invoking people and invoking emotions and that so that's just one part no definitely they can get around this ultimate solution or ultimate uh, way of achieving that would be of course the moderate voices and who can speak up and uh, eventually i mean economic issue is also pertinent issue literacy all these are slowly grow, slowly developing the situations are slowly developing right now more and more people are being pulled out of poverty your, so, i mean even that's all that's your main issue. question question was of course you know uh, can you hear me yeah was will the people you know swadeshi muslims and find a way to interpret it of exclusivity and to get rid of supremacy yes West, but uh, you don't have to be supremacist right exactly. because you see you can say that i believe in this but uh, you don't necessarily have to see the whole issue about why aurangzeb and people like that treated uh, hindus that way or colonial people like why the europeans treated the natives the, the way they treated them 
is because they actually felt that they were doing a favor to us mm-hmm. they actually felt that they were doing us a favor and that comes of, that comes because of a supremacist ideology exactly. not just an exclusivist one exactly. so if we can first get rid of supremacist ideology and make them understand that okay if you come and do something then these people have the right to retaliate these people have the right to uh, counter you right what will happen then will happen it's just going to be about you know how they are trying to help you and you're actually obstructing this that's that that's going to be their mentality ultimately i mean okay okay your your thing yeah. is will this will they give up this claims of exclusivity one and of course the superiority i mean i don't see if if everything as i told before if all of these plans go accordingly all of the reformation all of the moderating voices if all of this goes accordingly i don't see why not because many people in the west as i told is an example have come to this conclusion they also started with the same thing because many of these people have started from islamic countries themselves and they have been fed since childhood that the us for example is your enemy that the western culture is something that's the reason they defend burqa also even many muslim women who are themselves subjugated and indoctrinated into wearing a burqa they still defend it because they were brought up telling that if you don't wear burqa somehow you'll make god angry or if you don't wear somehow you're immodest so i mean this this is the kind of thing that they were brought up in so but i don't see why not if all the steps that as i told before if they can be taken like that i don't see why not we'll end up at peaceful muslims and moderate muslims and accepting muslims most of these people i think we can do that i mean if we if there is any other example where this this won't happen like this that can be shown but i think as far as we know if we can raise this standard of education to teaching to preaching of peaceful stuff i think eventually it will raise i don't see why not see is generally a step in the right direction yeah absolutely a step in the right direction but you know if you look at the example of imam tauhidi educated mm. in the radical system um was an actual imam right he was a religious scholar the third generation imam and uh, he basically he not only gives an alternate interpretation of the quran but he also points out the other you know the other side he very clearly very blatantly very openly he he uh, shows how the uh, interpretation of the quran right or all all these uh, texts like right? he he shows the interpretation of people like uh, ayatollah right yeah. he recently had a video scholarship of ayatollah right yes of iran basically if you have to seems to me that uh, tarik fada or imam tawhidi all of these people are really not that famous in india right i mean all of these people are of course limited to the social media circles and largely the english speaking circles the vast majority of indian muslims aren't don't fall under this demographic they are in the madrasas of up or kerala that's the thing right that's the, i mean they, that's where at least the radicals are coming out of the terrorists who are getting caught every year are coming from there so how do we reach those people is the issue i mean imam tawhidi is famous on twitter many indians follow him tarik fatah of course he comes on tv sometimes and he debates so he's still the prime time uh, urban kind of people watch him and uh, the actual people who are in need of this message they are not getting it because of course the ground level is still controlled by many of these uh, radical voices than these guys there was this uh, fateh ka fatwa you know yeah program yeah 
spoken in Urdu and Hindi, and uh, Maulana's used to debate with Tariq Pata. You know, the whole uh, nexus got very scared, mm-hmm. and then they, they, there was an assassination attempt on Tariq Pata after that, and I think after that he has stopped coming to India because, of course, he's going through cancer treatment also right now. Yeah. See, the the original question was, can is it possible for people? to interpret the quran by themselves is it allowed first of all by themselves i mean you can they can read the quran by themselves but most of these people already have the teacher kind of thing an imam or someone or local mosque someone who stays there so they help like they basically kind of help them kind of read your scripture i mean they can read it interpret it i mean no one is going to force you for example if this guy says no i don't think you should kill people i don't think the mullah will actually come and tell you know you go and kill most of the times but Yeah, interpretation. I don't think that's how it works. It's just you read, and if you have any questions, and you find out with these people, and they all they always like are next to you while you're doing this stuff. Like in the sense of explaining in the first place, then you go back and read your own Quran at home or wherever. So I think interpreting in the sense, it's largely. I mean, they they can't come up with a new interpretation by their own because they're already in the in the circle of what the. The, what their parents in the community and their local imam tells them they're already in that thinking thinking mode since childhood so i don't think they'll come up with anything new even ah. if they read the quran they don't find anything new they already anyway listen to the existing voice another problem is uh, you know tens and uh, what is going to happen to people like swadeshi muslims have a first generation learner he's not going to become a swadeshi muslim Like uh, analyzing, rare case scenario, it is possible. But then, statistically, statistically, a large number of these people would come from third generation or you know fourth generation. Will you understand? I mean, I, I no. Like I, lawyers, I, 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 children. No, I get it. I get it. That it will take time, and the the next generations will be much more open because eventually, if de-radicalization happens, eventually you will see positive results. but i don't know how true this is or is that the main reason because take uk for example and several of these european countries where people who have ca- come in the first uh, migration of 1999 or 1977 before it happened like 40 50 years ago the first wave of muslim immigrants from the mi- from these middle east countries when they came these guys were the most peaceful people at that point during the 80s and the 90s and they never they all they always like educated their children and all all those muslim children are now like college educated graduated but once they hit the 21st century the second generation muslims who were born in the uk like for example people like majid nawaz his parents were absolutely fine they were the most peaceful guys you can find but their children all of these people started started getting radicalized because of the saudi funding and the new sharia mosques that started opening in the uk and uh, Saudi uh, like uh, Arab countries have realized that we have to also spread Islam not just our oil and money it won't sustain forever so they have started pushing yeah. their money so the petrol dollars into all these european countries now these guys were easily radicalized so not just yeah. I mean, that's the reason i think swadeshi muslims is one step ahead of just like liberal actor acceptance and so- societal push in a certain direction this is better because rajiv mamata has already given some basic uh, like Cons- uh, concessions that you have to make as a Swadeshi Muslim. It's not ah, yeah. concession; it's some acceptance of basic facts. So, if you once you make this like and make this explicit that the history is there, this is the violent history that was there, and you are not necessarily part of it. Hence, don't claim heritage from it. So, if these kind of things are done, I think this is one step better than just 
forgetting your roots and just starting with this new kind of thing but again the if that happens there is always scope of recourse into the same old thing you propaganda starts tomorrow so i think this is actually one step better and these guys are more immune to the same old radicalization issues because they already the culture and identity will be ingrained once if they are swadeshi muslims it's already ingrained in them this is what it means so that core uh, ideas can't be changed that easily so i think this is better than that one thing is that uh, the europeans were not ethnically islamic in a sense that uh, belonging to you know the white people in uk ethnically arab you mean arab right yeah, yeah. they they originate there exactly so what happens is that totally different scenarios like uh, in one in one case in the case of europe you have immigration happening settling down into new culture right on the other hand in india long time ago right very long time ago yeah and they have basically uh, had a long um, long interaction with the indians actually sons of the soil yes right the uk they are ethnically different they are arab people they are brown people and they are from the middle east right that's yeah. that's how they they are going to be categorized so it's also uh, swadeshi muslims have a different identity as such like they are actually uh, indian they are not like so, immigrants yeah, or something yeah, this is even I, so do you think this is a plus point in the favor of swadeshi muslims because will it, will this be easier because everything is already in place there is no racial tension as such in india there is just this ideological tension ideological differences and religious differences mostly right yeah so will this be easier for us as go as we go ahead king uh, there are honor killings even in uk and europe uh, yeah, you know that right yeah definitely honor killings yeah, in us recently it happened in south somewhere in us honor killings happen uh, female genital mutilation mutilation happens in europe and us even today actually i think there are th- like 1000 so, cases in us recorded so it's not even a small number so it's crazy yeah so it's it's just that uh, who are self ghettoized yep anything and their priority in there is the muladam uh unreported incidents you know all of these things uh, ideological uh brewing yeah self ghettoization whenever it happens somewhere very strongly controlled into them what comes out of them very strong very strongly controlled right i mean that, so that's the reason right in in europe for example today it's much worse the situation in the muslim community than usa for example most us muslims are like very liberal as compared to european muslims because of course absolutely absolutely sharia, because in uk there are sharia courts in uk there is this ghettoization exactly happening there no no zones which many people have reported many journalists have reported but of course the us the uk media itself wants to cover this up the french media wants to cover it up because they are afraid of being labeled as islamophobic or whatever but this is the reason in yeah. france and germany and uk it's much worse than in usa because this ghettoization has already happened and has been happening and this sharia courts are there so once sharia courts are there your your local mullah will Uh, become the and the imams will become the this uh, the sharia arbiters the judges basically so islamic you i think you should see this video i think i linked this in the description there is this a video called uh, happy uh, christmas uh, mr islamist 
it is this series of videos by uh, Majid Nawaz is the uh, like a, a, a opponent in that video, and he is basically yeah. talking to all these like well-educated, good English-speaking British Muslims. All these guys have the, like they're born in Britain. They have all British accents, like Anjum Chaudhary and all these crazy guys. So he was talking to them, and it's basically Anjum Chaudhary, man. I, oh my God, <laughs> he's like a okay, okay. So. He's asking them in, in, in different like news uh, like uh, news channel debates and all like different different uh, various forums. So he's talking to them. In, in, he's always asking the same question. If because already Sharia is largely a part of them, many uh, these arbitrations and all are done in Sharia courts for Muslims in UK uh, already. So he asked them, if you actually want to live under Sharia law in the UK, that you want UK to live under Sharia law, and once all the this Sharia, there are conditions in Sharia for the law to be met, uh, for you to like give any judge, judgment on anything on a thing. For example, the number of witnesses, eyewitnesses that has to be present, the num the the witness strength, all these things. So if he asks simply, if okay, if Sharia is present and all these uh, the conditions of Sharia are met, would you agree or disagree that uh, an adulterer, for example, should be stoned to death, or for example, a small thief? should they be uh, should their hands be cut off so this is a simple question is asking should you actually if the sharia is there everything is meeting should you actually kill these people by stoning them to death and not even one of these people told right out no outright no and a couple of them told yeah actually i agree with that actually <laughs> so imagine these guys having these anjum choudhury is very proud anjum choudhury yeah i mean these are they weasel, some of these people weasel out because they know how they sound that's the thing na that's the thing of takia and they all they all they also aware of how they sound hence they they find these devious means to achieve their goals but some of these people told yeah i think that that's fine we should do it why don't we do it but again they try to weasel out telling it it is very difficult it's very difficult to meet the sharia conditions it's a crazy video and these are educated western educated muslims so these guys have control over the narrative in uk why why wouldn't it be different than what you would expect it to be if these people are at the power and people think that you know uk is having having to go through some kind of karma or something but then what is the actual thing that they did that you know they are facing all of these things why why is europe facing it today uh, i think I many people about, yeah, think that all, uh, it's just a just a cop out if you tell karma because you don't know what it is so telling like putting any supernatural putting any transcendental Uh, causes on any of these issues is a stupidity we know for example why this why europe is facing because of some immigration policies along with that not just yeah. immigration policies just this liberal kind of echo chamber kind of thing people who live in uh, london or somewhere in the this uh, the, like uh, mans like this high posh areas in uk how would they yeah. ever know the ground realities of no go zones but these are the guys just like in india like the lutians these are the guys who control the media narrative hence they just think all muslims are peaceful or all these uh, imams and all we will be called islamophobic if they if we talk against their culture whatever that's supposed to mean in that context so these guys obviously control i mean uh, douglas murray has written an excellent book on this the strange death of europe in that he talks about these specific issues why the situation is getting worse and worse day by day and uh, of course sam harris and majid nawaz has written have written a book together the islam and the future of tolerance i think yeah so even that book talks about the same issues why it's getting worse so unless you accept first uh, recognize and identify the issue and address it and take some necessary steps there's no there's no turning back you can't just wish it to go away 
or you can't just tell other people outside can't tell just this is their karma it's because to me this happens to you you should be able to figure out what's actually going wrong can you say that again i i couldn't hear your last statement yeah if tomorrow this happens to your country or your culture you can't again just say it's karma you have to know how to deal with this and what is the uh, yeah yeah cause the, what are the causal exactly. what are the causal factors that led to where that led to the situation where we are and how we can fix this as we go ahead yeah some people say it's just karma you know and i i feel like laughing at them because exactly. first of all even even though they say it's karma they don't know what is the actual karma exactly. they think that you know colonialism is the karma but then they don't realize the split between you know the uh, hebrewian and the hellenistic view right yeah yeah that is what is causing the explosion that's what causing the outward projection of psychological fear and uh, imbalance and exactly. you see that's what i hear i mean okay even in islam it's a simple question why is this current situation of europe karma and not for example the colonization of all the colonies for the past 20 years not our karma why can't we call that as our karma this is all stupid basically it's just a circular argument as you go back so coming back to swadeshi muslims yeah. right yeah so i think that uh, opinion in india you know a lot of people even in the us and uk the personal tales that they narrate right the atheistic people who logical uh, brainwashing who who say that they want to become atheist or agnostic agnostics what generally happens to them is they are social pariahs yeah yeah community and then they lose the relationship worst case scenario they're killed best case scenario they get out alive but then they don't have any more relationship with the ghetto right yes yes definitely you see in the uk they can find a new place to live in usa that's a huge landmass they can go somewhere else and live yeah you, you, do you think that uh, they can just start up you know like uh, a live in relationship with somebody and then they just start a family and stuff like that no do you yeah, think it's going to pan out that way no i remember i remember the, yeah the us case i was talking honor killing this uh, 16 or 18 year old girl was killed by her father in us in us recently like 2 months ago i think this this new story at least came out that because i think either she wanted to marry someone else like who's not a muslim or uh, she she told she's an atheist i don't know what it is but yeah she was killed and of course like you being a social pariah you being like kicked out of your family is common even in the western countries any in muslim families if you see this film uh, the big sick uh, it is a comedy by this guy uh, kumail lanjani who is in the this thing the tv show uh, the silicon valley tv show so he he is a stand up comedian he's from he's a pakistani origin so in the movie his parents they live in the us and uh, his parents basically kick him out because he he tells in the movie clearly that maybe i don't know if i believe in allah or not he doesn't even tell i am an atheist or something he tells i couldn't hear you can you say that yeah yeah so in, in this movie uh, he tells his parents uh, he tells his parents that i don't know if i actually believe in allah i mean this guy like has been they want him to get arranged married and uh, he doesn't actually do namaz and all every day he doesn't do namaz namaz he goes down into the basement huh? and does something else i i can't hear you fanindra it's just breaking up can you uh, say that like from uh, now, from the point where uh, you you talk about uh, he tells his parents something yeah, what does he yeah, tell his parents yeah okay now you hear me is it fine is it fine ah it is fine yeah, okay, go ahead perfect perfect so i mean in the in the movie they live in the us so the parents are all muslim he is muslim 
and uh, he th- since childhood they want him to get arranged married so they k- start looking at matches and uh, this so he already is in love with this other another white lady and uh, he th- he doesn't do namaz every single day the he basically goes down to the basement and like does some cricketing shots or whatever he wastes some time and come back comes back up so he doesn't do any of the islamic doctrine or any- anything so one one day he tells that they'll get to know first that he's in love with a, like th- like this white girl and he then he like f- confronts his parents for the first time and tells them maybe i don't i don't do namaz every day all these things he tells in childhood i don't know if i believe in all these things and he tells i don't do i i don't actually i don't know if i believe in allah or not i have to think this stuff for myself okay. at least i have to th- all come to my own conclusions at least i don't know what you guys told me to believe but i have to at least still think for myself that that's the, that's the that's the gist of what he says and the, he gets kicked in the movie also same i think it's his real story i don't know if it's completely accurate this part of him getting kicked out because he had his marriage in this is real life story by the way he got married to a white girl but he got married in pakistan pakistan also is a pakistani origin muslim so i think yeah, it's yeah. real life not that bad but he wanted to show this aspect because he knows this is very true in many even western uh, muslim families so k- getting kicked out of your family is like a true thing your community everything because they th- because that's the reason they think if you become an apostate you have to be killed or at least you won't go to jannat you'll go to hell so th- at least they believe this even though they, they love their children or their family members who are, who tell that they are atheists or they convert or whatever they still believe all this stuff that this is going to happen to you that's the reason they also want to save you from the hellfires so it's a but I, yeah but okay your question but i don't think uh, that's going to pan out as i told th- th- not most of these people are going to actually become atheists at least in the indian context it's just the more tolerant version they'll be themselves but yeah could be i mean there are enough indian muslims who yeah, have turned atheists yeah i mean there are enough indian muslims who have turned atheists but yeah in vast majority of the cases yeah if you are i mean india it's more closely connected to families unlike the west and just in the west if this if this is this worse india should be like the worst case scenario possible you can imagine so and you are related to your family you can't just go out of your community and relatives and everything so it's much much more difficult they have to be closeted just like many people in pakistan saudi and everywhere who write their stories on internet anonymously and if they get caught they'll be murdered uh, they'll be slaughtered exactly so oh, they'll be closeted they, they are this is going to happen blasphemy yeah the, the the problem in india is much much worse because uh, echo okay now it's gone it's much worse because you know the kind of society that we are latra actually expects the swadeshi muslims to confront the mainstream narrative that's never going to happen openly right no no i mean like uh, uh, it's not the mainstream no the, no all they want from swadeshi muslims is like the tolerance and the acceptance part so i don't think that's where they attack the mainstream narrative because so every muslim in the country wants, wants to create to... an alternative uh, uh, he wants to create an alternative leadership right leadership definitely but their contention wouldn't be because i mean because no one openly says any radical muslim in india also they are not act- openly telling that right. we want to kill the hindus or anything they are they're not saying that at least so their contention wouldn't be that but their motives would be obviously different they want a peaceful version of this swadeshi muslims are actually a bunch of educated people community of themselves right people uh, like minded people yes swadeshi muslim guy will be as comfortable with his fellow swadeshi muslims uh, hindus 
Yeah, I couldn't hear your last point. No, no, not at all audible. Second, one second. Okay, uh, okay, now I heard, yeah. Now it's on mute, your microphone, yeah. What I was saying was, yeah, they'll definitely be the Swadeshi Muslim zone community. That's the idea of uh, Raji Manatra. That they need to have an, a community. Like, you know, there are so many of these people. When he talks about leadership, what does he mean? He means basically all of these similar minded people have to come together, have some kind of a community, right? Yes, yes. As you said, there are a lot of atheists having a community in India. This uh, ex-Muslims association of North, North America or something. Do we have something similar here? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Not really. Maybe one Facebook group. Maybe I think you can find. That's the most. That's the best you could do. So. I'm hearing my own echo for Nidra. Are, are you like that? Yeah, you, it's, it's cutting now. Tell, yeah, I could hear you now. No, no, can't hear you. Now? Yeah, 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 now. No, no. Is you Muslims? Yeah, yeah. Only are they supposed to like uh, non-exclusivist and uh, accepting to have leadership of them, I think. I didn't get your last one. Uh, to be to uh, to be non-exclusive and non-supremacist, the leadership. Saying is the Swadeshi Muslim criteria, right? There are going to be several tiers in this. Yeah, maybe. It's going to be the basic yourself a Swadeshi Muslim will be uh, identified and uh, declared by the Muslims themselves. Yes. There are going to be higher tiers, like there's going to be leadership among them. There's going to be a different kind of people like atheists, ex-Muslims, right? Then they're going to be like uh, their community, that kind of people, right? Uh, de definitely. I mean, already wouldn't the, the Shia board uh, yeah. Wouldn't they already fit? Because I mean, the Shia, those leaders were there. And I forgot his name. So the, who basically gifted these silver arrows to Ram Mandir and told, basically we oppose the extremist form of thing. These guys, I think most of these people would actually all, all the people in the Shia board. Uh, forgot what is it called? AISLMB, All India Shia yeah, Islamic yeah. Law Board. Uh, yeah, Law Board. So yeah, these guys, Muslim Law Board. So th these guys would almost al already fit into this narrative, fit into, fit into this category of Swadeshi Muslims because they have been talking and they have been having discussions. Even when uh, Sri Sri Ravishankar also went there, these these guys were the first ones to talk to him about the relocation of the mosque and all. So I think they, there are enough like influential figures in the Shia community yeah. at least. Sunnis is much different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, these people would already fit into that. And this is not just some random educated so. ones or someone. This is just a leadership in the entire organization. The Shia organization is actually very, yeah, those guys are really peaceful. Those guys are really, they, I mean, they are obviously Shia, so they don't follow 
90% of the hadiths so they don't have this entire tradition of uh, darul islam and darul hub okay yeah so i think yeah i think we can find enough people that's the reason even rajiv ji knows all these people rss talks to these people constantly and uh, many hindu gurus have been talking to them so they all form the same part i think maybe from there rajiv ji will try to because i mean that's the thing na they, the reason they have to uh, form a community or at least be part of this swadeshi muslims kind of a uh, classification is because not just them put, uh, describing themselves as swadeshi but they have to also do intellectual work to propagate their ideas because rajiv ji is one of the most famous examples of this because he has been effectively able to propagate all his ideas it's just by the by our uh, from the back of our mind we know what all his ideas are like from mutual acceptance for example if you're dealing with interfaith or uh, uh, that's the swadeshi indology for example if you're talking about indian history so i mean we know back of our head or uh, uh, so all these kind of things so or for example shastra pramana or being intellectually honest while debating so all is core yeah. issues we know so i think this is what is looking at from this initiative of swadeshi muslims also he want them to produce literature which clarifies to many of these muslims and will get into those quarters of these muslim communities where it will actually make a real impact so i think yeah this oh. kind of thing he'll definitely be thinking of this exactly because he has been the most successful at this aspect it's funny that you've been yeah can you say that again he is definitely something you said i mean he's definitely has been most successful at this aspect only like propagating his extremely well thought out ideas and well thought out things which resonate with vast number of people so even for swadeshi muslims i think his primary goal is this to get them to this way of thinking and to get them to this they already most of these already have this acceptance uh, giving up claims of some exclusivity and supremacy and that propagating those ideas into mainstream as he wants to create a mainstream indic grand narrative so this will definitely be in his mind so i think yeah if that is the goal that is the way forward i think it's the proper thing it's the correct thing it's it's something that would work but unlike some people who have been writing blogs and writing counters telling it wouldn't work they basically are telling that no there is no way forward for indian muslims there is never uh, going to be a day when they're going to change or when there is any hope for these guys i don't believe that so i think yeah but many people i think these people believe that how are they different how are they different from those uh, you know leftist people media houses that just call mullahs for debates <laughs> exactly and i mean the, yeah it's two sides of the same coin they're acting as and they're not realizing they are thinking they they're telling uh, they won't change why are you even bothering with them so what's the point of all of this can you can you please say that again no they just tell it's no point indulging these guys in a conversation which is completely opposed opposed to two things one our own history and our, our own tradition which is basically engage other engage the other in a conversation and of course rajiv ji's main goal he has always been engaging with other people so both these are in are in congruence and these people think that any sort of uh, this conversation or attempt at a conversation or attempt at a common ground is somehow giving up your whatever goals identities or your own uh, aspirations they're thinking this will actually lead us to a path of destruction again i don't know how they're getting at that and telling basically there's no hope for these guys in uh, i couldn't uh, have you completed your point yeah, because yeah. you broke up in yeah yeah so, yeah i think uh, it's a great initiative you have to engage the other side definitely funny that i'm getting my own echo back yeah i can hear you i can hear you go i can hear you is that a problem 
Now I can hear you. It's fine. There's no echo. That's funny as it is. For me, it's there. I am hearing my own voice. Yeah, but here I'm getting just a single stream. Can you continue? It's fine. I think it's okay. I think. Or maybe doesn't bother. Headphones. Maybe you can remove headphones or something. Just the regular audio would do fine. I remove my headphones. I, I think it should be fine. If you are having headphones, you can remove them and uh, you can talk and you can. I'm having headphones. I'm having my headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Just try removing them. I think it will work. Disturbance. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Oh. If I'm audible, you can just. Yeah. Yeah. Be audible. You are audible. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So should I remove the headphones? Yeah. Yeah. If you remove them, it's remove. Keep removing. Simple. Okay, I I'll just continue. Yeah, perfect. Aging the other side, like you said, is the most important thing. And those who say that uh, the attempt is already a failure, those people who don't even judge a book by its cover, <laughs> cover, and they they still have an opinion about it. So this is a problem. Makes them no different from. those kind of people who are pursuing purely goals based on ahankara yes so it's like uh, this huge identity that they have to protect and anything relating to the other side is just they have to ignore it not have become what he is today by ignoring the other side yeah is the other side this dialogue can can things happen and also switch off the fan and uh, uh, take out the earphones okay one you give me one second okay? sure can me find in the room Hear me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I'm still getting the. Well, I think the solution to this problem is if you use headphones, it would be nice. I'll also use headphones. I'm using headphones. Headphones. Yeah. Till there's a problem. Yeah. Oh. So, Side and in that sense, he's doing the right thing. Do you have the next point to say? Like you were talking about uh, initially, you spoke about you know. The destruction, right? The start of destruction. The whole acknowledgement of history. Okay, so these these are few points we covered. So we started with the acknowledgement of history. So history as it is, just acknowledge it, and you don't have really much to do with it. And uh, violence in Islam and Islamic scripture. So we then talked how would they actually turn atheistic, or how just the popular voices, the moderate voices, would actually help us achieve this, and basically ignore the violent parts. And re or somehow reinterpret them and do mental gymnastics, whatever it is, that wouldn't be much of an issue to actually have a liberal voice in the Islamic community. And uh, the we talked about how actually mullahs and the leaders and the rest of Sharia courts and all these have, and how obviously the funding has affected and made this into a bigger issue than it it would have been if there is no external funding and this entire civilization, this entire country is trying to push their entire. global jihad basically exporting wahhabism saudi and yeah. other yeah middle eastern countries so these are yeah i think these are the yeah biggest points that would affect so as for the shi muslim 
and uh, would form a part yeah, of you know yeah i have a point to make yeah uh, you know how do we know that swadeshi muslims are not doing takia takia will right they they might be like masquerading as a leader of swadeshi muslims and then enough impact it just means that you know they're doing takia I mean, I, I mean, no. It's it's always. I mean, it's not just just Muslims. Why can't anyone be just lying about these things? I mean, Muslims, for example, takia is a accepted doctrine for them. Maybe other people might have ethical issues with that. But you tell uh, some Muslims can actually justify because it's written that if you are dealing with the person of other faith and your point is to and your goal is to ultimately achieve your own goal of establishing the caliphate, you can indulge in takia. That's there. But Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, how, 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 how do we know that they are not engaging in takia? Is basically, for example, if some prominent Muslim leaders, for example, tomorrow come out and say, "I want Ram Mandir," and mosque mm. is just a mosque. We know what a mosque is. It doesn't have any of these fundamental features or any sacredness. It's just a communal gathering kind of a location. And they tell to construct Ram Mandir, and if their voice plays a prominent role by in changing minds. So I mean, if that they are doing, for example, if that's the one instance they did. So takia, we don't know if they're takia because they're already advocating for this. So what are the positions they're advocating for, and what are they getting in return out of this? So if there is no, like it's it's less like the Donald Trump and uh, uh, Russia, uh, Putin kind of collusion kind of claims. Now everyone's making claims that the Russia has muddled and um, uh, muddled in the elections of US, and uh, somehow Trump is a puppet of Putin. But that that's not. that can that can't be proven in any way through evidence because every single step he has taken so far from sanctions on russia to sending weapons to ukraine is all, is all against the russian interest in russian policy so then also you can tell easy being truthful but that's the evidence we have and the evidence points that it's against the interest of russia here the same thing we, it's it's always a question if there anyone is telling the truth question has been laid on imam tawhidi mm-hmm. and he just uh, just reflects uh, his uh, allegiance right yeah very clear the impact that is having the people that is confronting and again he he is doing something very interesting basically accepting the truth hmm they exposing that so if pradeshi muslims also accept the barbarianism part yeah and they say that um, you know interpretations of the quran are actually responsible for this And they'll accept that they are the future. Exactly. If that they do, we still can't be questioning if it's takia or not. And 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 one more thing, right? I mean, if 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 tomorrow they start advocating for putting actual history of Islam in India in the in Indian history books, if they start advocating for that, then I mean, how I mean, we we can't tell if it's takia or not. But they act them doing that act and asking for that, if that comes into policy and changes the books. that would change the perception in whichever way it changes so yeah i mean this is shouldn't be a concern if we are dealing with like influential top level people because this is yeah because their their words have direct consequences on themselves and the community around them so we should know i mean we should we should be able to understand what their motives are from the beginning and we know what kind of people we are dealing with beforehand so yeah i mean this shouldn't this should, at least hopefully it wouldn't wouldn't be a big issue and i think this can be dealt with I think uh, another interesting part that I have is that uh, do you think that uh, you know people like uh, 
we've heard a recent news article about this uh, people trying to develop a i think you know about this people trying to develop a muslim army islamic army oh, in india okay 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 yeah 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 i think ulema something yeah 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 ulema is yeah develop about 1 crore army muslims uh, counter in any way to all the things that are not just swadeshi muslim but thing uh, with you know triple talaq and uh, and all of these things they come to realize that uh, you know the old tactics won't work and they have to equivalent of rss going to happen and hello ah. yeah yeah what was the question so the army is yeah or that uh, you know going to evolve new strategies such that uh, the intellectual voices in islam are going to be redundant if they if they actually develop a ground force I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I can't hear you. No, it's cutting. It's cutting. What now? Can't can't hear you. I have to repeat it. The question was. Yeah. If people. the radical people if they develop an actual army on the ground like rss hmm muslims have any chance the swadeshi muslims have any chance if they develop a ground army against them basically that's the question right do swadeshi muslims have any chance if these people develop an army can't hear you yeah yes we have to repeat it repeat it it's still still breaking the question was that only you got the question okay uh what do i think if they develop i mean i don't know what what the status of that is or are they actually pursuing it and if they i mean it's not like an rss i mean rss is not it's not an army it's it's uh, i mean they are they are not any have they are yeah, i can't hear you yeah can you now yeah, yeah now it's okay yeah. yeah okay so i mean it's not an actual comparison to uh, rss per se because i mean they are doing out of cultural stuff and they are they, they don't just take hindus they'll take anyone no one asks if you want to join rss which uh, religion or whatever you belong to they don't do any of that stuff so i don't think ah. it's necessarily that but i mean i mean we know i mean we can see we can al- almost sense the danger of having an islamic kind of army what would they want to do in the country what would they want to who is the leadership what is their uh, like agenda what is their mission and vision all these things rss has all this clear and set in stone so what is that so we have to look at all of that and if it's actually this radicalization kind of thing then i don't i think maybe the authorities will come into picture then it's not just an intellectual thing anymore and what are the activities these guys are indulging in 
so I, I think we should wait and see what what is actually will turn out to be and what's actually underneath all this until then i don't think we can be able to tell much if it's an actual military actual violent kind of force there are different parties that will be coming into picture like the actual uh, jurisdiction and actual law and order and everything and the executive branch so yeah okay yeah there's you know the amount of unity that these people have today uh, very potent right yeah it is potent if they if they do, if they believe in any radical radical kind of ideas what if the entire army that they're trying to create is an army of swadeshi muslims for example or i mean what if swadeshi muslims create a same kind of thing it will be a force for good so yeah i mean every any any mass any mob will have that power they have that power of uh doing from physical force to like changing perceptions of masses they have that force within them so but what is the ideology they are carrying behind it i think he will be the question you addressed uh, pretty much all the important questions yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking i think pretty much everything is covered we'll see if we get any new questions you can always um, people who are watching this video on youtube can always ask uh, any questions or comments in the comment section so if we get any of these we'll try to respond to them and if any new topic comes up we'll start an entire new discussion and uh, i think uh, yeah and i'll be uh, publishing an article very soon on this same topic of swadeshi muslims so you can even read the article i think once it's up i'll also uh, link that in the description too so if you want to find that you can find that and read my views uh, extensively on in that article so anything else to add before we close up i think uh have anything else to add uh, only that uh you it no you're not audible right. you're not audible please just repeat the entire thing again closing statement yeah i mean to say the closing statement yeah yeah i mean whatever you're telling just repeat it entirely again from the beginning you should not pursue it as a issue we should pursue it as something like a dharmic thing you know? raising the consciousness something like that yes yes basically try to uh be for somebody they're going to the same characteristics which you have them as well like if you go and frown at somebody they're also going to frown at you right smile at you back right? to raise consciousness that you use matter you know basically uh, if you use the proper language and if your uh, intentions are clear trying to actually raise consciousness to fight a uh, zero sum game you know you're not going to get anywhere if you just try to fight it like ideologically yes it you know like uh, go deep what are really the psychological effects of uh, uh, blindly believing in something questions right yeah in a very progressive way that's what i'm trying to say, trying to say. and progressive i mean raising consciousness yeah, yeah yeah i can't hear you again 
I just said that uh, we have to raise consciousness. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. The collective consciousness. I mean, there was a just now I was reading an article before in Swarajya, which talks about raising the standard of public debate in India, and of course it draws draws yeah inspiration from the um, our our tradition, a thousand year two thousand year old tradition of this intellectual dialectical method and uh, engaging in conversation. So I think yeah that's the perfect way, and that that would actually help in one aspect of raising this collective consciousness. Apart from these common goals of acceptance and uh, peace and living in harmony and peace, this would this would definitely raise the collective standard and the consciousness of these two communities. I think yeah, that would be perfect. Yeah, I couldn't hear the last part of it. I heard until the word perfect. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay, I think it was a great conversation. Yeah, uh, so sure. thank you for. This. Yeah, we will be having several more in the future. Any of these related topics, we'll definitely be discussing and uh, sharing our views to our audience. And uh, thank you, then. Nice, nice having this discussion with you. Thank you. Same here.